Welcome to Checking In, a weekly podcast from Hotel Owner, the UK's trusted source of hotel industry news and analysis. Each week we meet a new guest and learn their story, all the highs and lows, triumphs and disasters they've faced and how they got through to the other side. If you like the podcast, make sure to subscribe on whichever podcast platform you listen to. To get more industry insight, head to hotelowner.co.uk and subscribe for unlimited access. If you're interested in sponsoring episodes of the podcast, drop us a line at podcast at hotelowner.co.uk. Hello, I'm Lewis Catchbolt, online editor at Hotel Owner, and I will be the host of this episode. I'm joined by David Anderson, Divisional President of Ambridge EMEA. He has over 20 years of operational excellence, leading some of the top hotel companies in the world. We spoke about his journey into the industry, adapting to the senior roles, and his target of doubling its European portfolio over the next couple of years. David, thanks for joining us. Um, I wanted to start with your entry into the industry and um, basically what inspired you and how you got started. Well, that's a very interesting question. I, I went to university, studied business studies with French and German. I actually went to school in France. Um, and I had been over to visit Porsche in uh, Stuttgart, in Ludwigsburg, um, to get my job in the automotive industry. And uh, I succeeded in getting an offer. And um, this was a year before I was due to graduate. And I received a, a second letter three months before I did graduate, uh, explaining that there was a, a world recession, that Porsche's export market had reduced by 60%. They were making people redundant. So as a consequence of that, they were withholding the offer until two or three years down the road. So, you know, I graduated, no career at Porsche, and I ended up walking into a hotel. And, um, and within three weeks of me working in this hotel, the general manager um, had come up to me. And, you know, there's always one guy that influences your career. Well, this was, this, for me, this was the guy. And um, he'd asked me if I played golf. And I said, why'd you ask? And he said, well, we have a, um, a contract to win with Japanese airlines for the hotel. And I need a golf partner because the Japanese look at golf as part of that business culture. So I'd played golf since I was five. You know, my family are Scottish, so it was, it was in the blood. And, um, and so we won. And uh, as a consequence, he won the, the contract with Japanese Airlines. And he and I became very close. Uh, he realized that, you know, I was looking for a different career. But while I was there, it was, look, let's, let's get you experience in all these different departments within the hotel. So that's what I did. And um, probably two and a half years I stayed in that. And that was my last experience working in a hotel. Um, I opened the Daily Telegraph one day there was a job advert in there for a French, second largest French hotel group looking for a regional operations manager. Needed to speak French, needed hotel experience, et cetera, et cetera. And I ended up getting the job, moving to Paris. And the irony is I had started as a waiter, you know, at the age of 22, I guess. And 15 years later, I had a portfolio of 100 hotels under my belt. Um, so it was, you know, it was, it was a fun story. Um, what made you walk into that first hotel after after the Porsche gig kind of fell through? What what made you kind of pivot into into that? Well, do you know what I, I as as you know, when you're a student, you you live beyond your means, and uh, I needed a job straight away, and it was literally 
you know, the nearest hotel to, to where I was that day. And, uh, and I think it was the sense of hospitality as soon as I walked in, you know, they're extremely welcoming. I, I felt, you know, like that I could belong there for a little while. And, um, and I'm still in touch, by the way, with that, that general manager that, that, you know, gave me that first opportunity. And how did he kind of help you into that first role? Did he, was it kind of like a mentorship? Or? Uh, severe discipline. Um, you know, those are the days where you work 70 hours a week. Um, you had to do, you know, weddings, uh, big events in the evening and turn up for breakfast in the morning. It was that kind of thing. But, but what I understood from him was how precise everything needed to be and how conscientious he was in anything he did. Um, and, and that rubbed off on all his team. So, you know, you could really feel part of a, a tight knit team that knew what they were doing. And, and on the back of that, you know, when I would talk to him about achieving his numbers, achieving his budgets, achieving his quality metrics and things like that, um, it was great to see how well a well-oiled team could deliver against those. So it was, it was truly something that, that is probably one of the, the, those experiences in my life that, that made me realize that it was something that I could become very passionate about. So did you always kind of have that strategic mind for, for numbers and, and the overall? Because I think what's interesting is maybe a student not long off of graduating probably wouldn't necessarily be asking those questions to a general manager about, are you meeting these targets? How are you meeting these targets? They may be more you know, focused on, on the initial job at hand, whatever it might be. Is, is that always something that you've kind of been interested in? Look, I, I guess, you know, that individual general manager got me talking about that, those, those important things for him. So I was naturally, naturally curious, but, you know, two and a half years later, I, I got that regional role. So when I was, you know, 25, I suppose I, I was looking after 25 hotels and I had to work with those metrics. And so very early on in my career, you know, where you have regional strategies to deliver, where you have regional goals to achieve, where you're dealing with owners who have very specific needs and, you know, bank covenants and, and understanding what makes the owner invest in a hotel and what they need out of it. You quickly have a mindset that's tuned into that to be successful. If you don't, then you wouldn't be successful. And so I think part of the, the success of my career is having got into that regional role very early on never really having that chance to micro, micromanage anyone, but really focusing on developing a great team around me, you know, always employ better than yourself, that, that kind of thing. Um, but then understanding and, and delivering that, that strategy on the region, listening to the owners and getting your team aligned on that. And I think if you can do that and communicate on a very regular basis on your your level of achievement of those goals, then you get great engagement and, you know, you, you go through this journey together. Mm. Do you think you would have been ready to step into that next role if maybe you'd stepped into another hotel that wasn't with that general manager? Well, I can't, I can't answer that, but, you know, I think, uh, I think certainly from the passion that that individual gave me um, at, at the time, um, he certainly got me tuned in to what was important and, and, and gave me that passion to, to move forward quickly. So what was that next step up like? 
with, with the, you know, complete, I guess it's different, different day-to-day kind of scenarios, different decisions to be made. Um, I'm sure you probably saw it up to a certain level working at the previous hotel, but what, what was that adjustment? Yeah, I think, you know, I, I do tend to value um, the, the very famous um, slogan, fortune favours the brave. And I, I do enjoy putting myself in a, an uncomfortable position and then working through solutions to, to stabilise and to grow. Um, and I, I touched on this earlier, but I can't stress the importance of having a well-oiled team around you who can pick the ball up when someone else drops it and have each other's backs. And I think, you know, that, that happens to anyone, by the way, in a team at one stage or another. So having that, you know, incredibly passionate uh, team kind of overcomes a lot of the challenges that, that you would face, you know, in a, in a day-to-day operating of a region. And, you know, when you do have 100-plus hotels, there are things that happen that are, you know, some of them are you, you could never control, you could never anticipate, but it's your ability to be able to deal with them, you know, with your team that, that makes you stand out, I think, and, and uh, creates that real sense of achievement. Mm. Was there any kind of memorable situation where, you know, that team kind of stepped in or is it, you know, it was more of a kind of uh, just a lending hand here and there? Yeah, I, I, you know, I, I could name a whole bunch of different scenarios, you know, across the 30 years of my career in leadership. But um, I think it's, it's always about, you know, making sure that there is that complete trust within your team, that you create psychological trust for everyone, where they can express themselves, they can forewarn you of potential, you know, hazards that are coming down the line, so you can deal with them, you can put a plan in place to deal with them. Um, but I, I, another part, you know, of the success, I think, of managing regions is whilst your regional team are dealing with the you know, the performance of the properties, the hotels, and, you know, whether it's golf courses or hotels or, you know, whatever you might be managing. Um, I think it's, as a leader of that region, your ability to understand various nuances in your owner relationships, whether they're by owner type, you know, if it's private equity, if it's high net worth individual, or by nationality. You know, a German owner will have very different standards of of relationship building than a Spanish owner, you know, and a French owner. And I think what I learned very early on was to understand how to tune in to those owners, how to deal with them at the level of, of respect and communication they would want to be dealt with and always being sensitive to that. And that, that in my experience, has allowed me to build up a sense of trust very quickly. And then once you have that trust you can get more hotels as they grow from them. But also you can, if you believe that, you know, this particular hotel could do with a poolside restaurant or, you know, we should we should invest more in the golf course because we've got an ability to position the hotel better with a, with a higher end golf course, then they're going to listen to you and they're going to, you know, they're going to invest because they'll get the the return that, that you know, they, they, they deserve, I think, if they've got trust in you and you've demonstrated your, your abilities on those assets. So it's a great dynamic, you know, from managing teams, dealing with hotel general managers who, by the way, have 
one of the most difficult jobs in the world. You know, they're on the coal face. They they have very challenging teams, but sorry, very challenging day to day, you know, activities. But it's again, it's their ability to handle that. It's their ability to anticipate. It's their ability to recruit well at that level. And I think you know, if you if you can do that and create a sense of belonging in you know at hotel level, at the regional team level, within the corporate level, then you're se- you're creating a sense of trust and creativity that allow people to fail, but you know learn. And uh, and we all do that, but it's it's uh, it's having that incredible sense of of common goals and achieving and and celebrating those successes together, which which really do uh, help you focus on on what's necessary to to do your job well. So, who is responsible for creating that culture? Does it start from the top, or does it come from the general managers themselves? Yeah, creating a sense of of culture is certainly at the forefront of. You know, my mind as a leader within our within our company, um, that culture. You know, from my executive committee team through to my regional teams, through to the hotel property teams, everyone is so important in that formula of success and of operating hotels to the very best standards. Um, but our ability, even more so in the last few years, to attract great talent because of the environment that we give to employees to thrive, to grow, um, as, you know, has been super important in us overcoming those labor shortage challenges, those skill set challenges, um, which quite frankly, you know, my team probably say, well, you know, you don't hear about it anymore, but it's not on my radar as much as it used to be, I think, because we have created such a great sense of belonging and learning and development. We have plus some 2,000 learning and development courses within our company. You know, So if someone wants to move position within a hotel, wants to move from one hotel to another and grow in that role, or even move from one brand to another, you know, today, Ambridge, across the world, we manage some 1,550 hotels right now under our operations. And we have close to 80 different sub-brands. And today where we, where Ambridge manage more, you know, Marriott hotels than Marriott, more Hiltons than Hilton, etc. A general manager that joins Ambridge can move across the, that brand within our portfolio and go from a Hilton to a Marriott to an IHG hotel or to a Hyatt or to an Accor property. Um, and I think that's, that's the beauty of, of what we can offer at every level within the organization. It, you know, we can, we can offer those career pathways that everyone today, I think, desires. Mm. And does Ambridge kind of identify a set of skills that kind of make that possible when they're recruiting? Or is it something that, you know, you kind of develop as, as, as they come? Yeah, I, I would say both. Both are very um, at the forefront of our minds. You know, we recruit for personality. We recruit for ability to learn. And we know as, you know, the largest third, op- third party operating company in the world that we can bring that talent through technical competence learning. We can, we can really support the goals. We can inspire people to, to, to achieve further. But if you don't have the personality, the ambition, the passion, you know, it's more difficult to train on that. So, so we do recruit for, for the individual. We do recruit for... An, an individual's ambition to develop and grow. 
And, you know, I always look back at, at my career thinking, you know, the hotel industry allowed me to work across continents. It allowed me to work across countries. It allowed me to, to discover. And I have two daughters who grew up, you know, half of their lives, they grew up in Mauritius, you know, where they learned about different cultures. They learned about, you know, incredible, an incredible region of the world where, you know, historically hospitality has been such a, a, a pillar of their economy in, in Mauritius and in the Maldives, um, you know, and, and, and as a result of that, my eldest daughter is now 16, Eva, you know, she's, she's going to go to hotel school. She's, you know, I have to tell her it's not all about growing up in the Four Seasons, you know, Mauritius and things, but she certainly has that passion and that understanding of what makes people tick and, and what makes people smile and, and that sense of hospitality. Yeah. Um, I just wanted to move on to your, your role today as divisional president at, um, of EMEA um, for Ambridge. What, what does that and entail now with, with such a, a breadth of properties and you know with the development and I'm sure you've got goals of expansion as well what does you know your your day-to-day or week-to-week kind of look like yeah so you know again I I would um, emphasize that the strength the bench strength of your team around you you know to to manage portfolios like that needs to be super strong um, we need to be day-to-day communicative of opportunities, of, you know, potential challenges, um, but really tune in to what's important for our hotel owners. Um, so I, you know, I encourage very close relationships with my, my team and the hotel owners, my team and the general managers, my team and the brands. You know, we are... With all the brands, we're, we're obviously in our in our role as third party operator. We're we're agnostic to to brands. We work with each of them extremely well, um, and having those incredible relationships, you know, across all the dynamics of what makes us successful, um, really is the secret to 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 growing. And you know, if a brand comes to you with a deal to say, you know, this particular investor would like to have a franchise rather than us manage, but We'd love to introduce Ambridge into that relationship. They know because of the job we do on their hotels that we're, you know, we're a great, compelling operator for them. So having those relationships is, is extremely important. Um, having great relationships with our owners is, is fundamental to, to our organic growth. It's fundamental to our ability to grow not only in our number of hotels, but also in our you know, in our financial performance to grow in our non-financial performance, um, which is super important for any hotel operator today. You know, the guest experience is equally important as, you know, as, as occupancy and equally as important as your ability to drive rate or your food and beverage offer. Hmm. So was that, you talk about kind of the reputation, was was that kind of the idea behind the rebranding last year, um, and the kind of the restructuring was that kind of you know bringing that Ambridge brand to the UK. I know Interstate was was quite well known, but was that some of the thinking behind it as well? Uh, no, no, nothing to do with reputation. Interstate had an incredible reputation in the US and in uh, in Europe, um, but in 2019, Advent, uh, one of the largest private equity groups in the US, they acquired 
the leading two third-party hotel operators, so Ambridge, and then a few months later, Interstate. And then they fused them together. And um, in the US, they decided, because of the number of hotels with Ambridge was slightly, you know, they were number one, so they, they obviously retained the Ambridge names straight away for the US. Um, and they decided at the time to keep the interstate name for the international division. So when I joined the company, I joined under Interstate, and within about 12 months, we, we, you know, we, we fell under the global brand, one brand, which was Ambridge. And we believed that um, Ambridge for the international, it was the right time to do that. It was a natural development to do that. Uh, I mentioned earlier about creating the culture, you know, the, to address the, the post-pandemic situations with labor and under Ambridge, having the power of that one global brand, all the, the marketing money poured into developing the, you know, the, the marketing of that brand and the culture of that brand. It was, it was really a natural development for Interstate to, to get into that um, Ambridge hospitality brand. How did you find uh, overseeing that process? Um, it, it, look, it was it was a natural evolution. Um, I think that uh, we, you know we did that incredibly quickly. Um, we obviously had to get the change management plans in place and supported, um, but it was a very successful transition um, because I think it was very natural. In its, in its evolution. So, so that certainly helped. Everyone knew it was the right thing to do. Um, and the support of our owners, the support of our teams, um, having a great story to tell um, really helped facilitate that process. Mm. Uh, what was that kind of conversation like with owners? Was it quite, I guess it was quite accepted, but was it just kind of a, we're, guys, we're doing this, this is, this is the reasoning and, and then that was it? Or? Yeah, we, we obviously, you know, spend a lot of time with our owners and um, explaining the values of that global brand proposition. Um, and generally speaking, you know, pretty much every owner kind of anticipated it anyhow. And, uh, you know, our role was to help them understand the Ambridge part a lot better. But uh, certainly, you know, after we did that transition, there's been, it's all been positive from there on. Um I think I saw that you were quoted that, you know, you were looking to grow the portfolio, maybe double the size in maybe a five-year period. Um, can you just touch upon, you know, the, the, the planning behind that and how is it going? Yeah, well, it's going really well. Um, the first thing I did was get our company executives all aligned on the fact that Iberia was a very key growth market generally over the last five years. Um, when we had looked at the number of transactions in Spain, they were off the charts. There were year-on-year rec -year records achieved since 2018. 58% um, of the, the money in those transactions was from private equity outside of Spain. And we knew that private equity is our model and that you know, Spain is traditionally a lease model. And private equity, are traditionally a hotel management agreement model, which is our model. So we felt that with that increased investment from the big private equity groups, who we already, by the way, operated hotels for, it was very natural for us to focus on Iberia as, as part of our key development strategy, alongside the, the German, the DACH region, um, 
And so what I then did once we got aligned on that is I employed two development um, leaders in Spain. And, um, and so now we are present in Spain. We are, I think I'm right in saying that the number of projects we have in Spain has never been so great as it is today. Um, and I hope to be able to announce something in Spain in, in the coming weeks. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're very excited about that. Um, I know as well, you, I think you said that you were looking to also kind of increase presence in the UK. Um, how do you see the opportunities in this market and also how is that going? Yeah, so UK is is a very key market for us. We operate in the, in the region of 75 properties in the UK today. Um, we have a lot of owners who like to grow with us. Um, so we're, we're excited about that. Um, but the UK is, you know, I referred to lease models and hotel management agreement models. The UK is very much a hotel management agreement model. So it's very natural for us as a, as a, as a, a growth area. Um, and, uh, and the UK, you know, we've got a, a really strong development team in the UK. We've got a great operations, you know, number of operations teams in the UK that year on year deliver incredible results for our owners. Um, but we're also, you know, as part of our, if I can revert back to the European strategy, we announced a few weeks ago our first hotel management agreement in Batumi in Georgia. And um, what I did at the time was when we exited Russia um, back in, in 2021, uh, sorry, 2022, uh, we took the team, uh, our interstate team at the time, and moved them into Georgia. And as a, as a result of that, we've got this hotel now that, that's under our management and we have five other projects coming down the line. So we will be the leading operator very quickly in, you know, in Georgia, which was, a, a, again, a natural evolution from coming out of Russia. Mm. Um, it's also kind of key to kind of identify those like smaller, faster growing markets. It's, is that something that you're always constantly looking for or is it, you know, you target maybe certain areas and then, you know, want to, you say with Georgia, kind of um, sustain the growth there before moving on or is it always a constant kind of balancing act? Yeah, it's a mix of both. I I would say, you know, you start off with that plan where it's very strategic and you, you know, these are the countries you're targeting. These are therefore justifying the regional teams that you're deploying in those in those countries. And as we know, you know, it's always the right thing to do to have teams in, in situ. Um, but if someone comes along and says, you know, I've got this great resort or a great, you know, super 600 or 500 bedroom hotel in this, in this city, well, you know, you, you, you never turn those down. So you always have to look at how you can best support that and, and how you can therefore tune your development teams into looking at other opportunities within that region so you can best serve those hotels. Um, I'm curious, kind of performance-wise, how you see the current state of the hotel market and, you know, we're two, three years after recovery of the pandemic now. Um, has there come back to like a, a natural baseline? Is it still differing in, in different um, regions? How have you kind of see the current state? Yeah, I mean, we've had, you know, incredible rate growth. Um, and we, quite frankly, we've had to have that to sustain the inflatory pressures that we have across all regions. 
Um, but one of the, you know, the real strengths of Ambridge is how they can focus on commercial revenue management. And, you know, we have just in the EMEA region, we have uh, 70, 75, um, you know, of our team are in the commercial function. And our ability to ramp up to market when we take over a hotel, when we open a new hotel is incredible. I mean, we, you know, we, we had a hotel that we did a case study on recently where, you know, it was three weeks, four days, and we were up to market levels. So that is an incredible pre-sale ability. It's an incredible strategic kind of plan, you know, building these commercial plans, which are going to make a great success of these. What I would say in terms of global markets, you know, coming to the UK, for example, um, we are seeing the US market since Q4 last year coming back. Um, we're seeing a lot of the European international tourism coming back. Um, we're very hopeful on the Chinese markets in 2024 coming back. So we haven't seen the power of that yet. Um, so we're excited about that. Um, but I think, you know, there are some incredible cities in Europe, which like Paris and Amsterdam, which are, you know, leagues, leagues above where they used to be in pre-pandemic. So they're enjoying incredible um, growth. And, and another sector which has benefited from the increase in international package tourism. So, you know, British travelers going off to Spain or France or, or wherever, um, is that our airport hotels have been, you know, they've seen the best performance they've ever had. So, um, unfortunately for us, you know, we've got quite a, a, a large portion of our portfolio in or on airport locations. Has, has those kind of differing uh, trends and how they've changed over these past couple of years, has that changed the way you operate or um, plan in any way? Obviously, you've had to adapt to the, obviously the really um, rapid change of the situation, but how has that kind of changed from any previous kind of planning that you've had to, to today? Yeah, I think, you know, one of the words that comes to mind that we use a lot is our ability to be nimble our ability to be very creative. And, you know, we have such an incredible sales force that a specialist, you know, whether it be in um, big conferences or whether it be in, uh, you know, construction project industry sectors and and where we can, you know, lean on those where we, we anticipate a downturn and leisure markets or, or business travel markets, and we can lean into other markets to secure deals. You know, we have individuals who their sole role in life is to secure big contracts. You know, for, for if there's a if there's a new development going on in a particular town or city, you know, we are the first to be aware of that. We are the first to be in discussions with with teams that are coming to work on those developments so that we can put that base layer into our hotels and secure where we anticipate there may be a softening. We can secure a great base into those into those markets. And that's really, you know, one of the benefits that as a, as a large organization, you know, we can, we can afford and, and that have an incredible impact on our ability to drive the top line performance for our, for our hotel owners. As um, the type of traveler has changed, um, you know, you, we've seen increase more in, in business stays. Um, has that affected any, any form of kind of uh, planning or, or t 
target identification for, for certain hotels? Is, is it, you know, you're um, deciding on, on geographical terms as well, but also on, on the current state of the consumer. Does that inform in any way as well? Absolutely. And, you know, we are always studying travel trends, stay trends. Um, you know, there are a lot more staycations happening today. There are a lot more long-stay hotel offerings in the market today. You know, we operate a, a large number of those. We see the average length of stay grow. Um, so absolutely. And, you know, where you have those families where, you know, the parents or one of the parents is perhaps working, but they're taking that opportunity to bring the family with them and explore and discover the region. You know, that's happening more and more. And, you know, obviously led by the U.S. The, the U.S. have done that for many years, but it's starting to to really, you know, develop in, in the European markets now, which is gives a great you know, opportunity for the hotel brands to 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 create those longer stay opportunities um, to a really good level and professional level, and we very much enjoy managing those successfully today. How do you um, kind of impart this kind of knowledge and identification trends to your owners? Is it, are you constantly updating them with kind of the wider picture, or is it when it you know when that information is? actionable that's when you go to them what's the kind of communication like between that yeah at multiple levels we we communicate um i send out a quarterly forecast you know update and we have all our partners around the world that that work on trends and forecasts so i will definitely share that with all our owners um and you know in the one-to-ones that we have when i meet owners we'll talk about trends and when we meet with private equity guys you know they're the first to be interested in and testing our knowledge on on trends to to you know to to really when they go to that investment committee they've got you know the knowledge of the operators and and uh, and we're very fortunate you know being the size we are to to have access to incredible data going forward as well as incredible historic data so we you know when we do our underwriting for projects maybe a long stay option um, then you know no one no one is better qualified to do that what's the feedback been like from from the other way from from owners and and you know general managers coming back um to how this summer has been so far what's kind of the the performance looking and and, and how they've experienced the, the travel this summer yeah i i think you know there are there's obviously a softening in the uk over the summer compared to last year last year was off the charts i mean the, you know these the pent-up demand the staycations the coastal resorts the rural towns and and country and and uh, cities the airport locations everyone was busy and i think you know what we're seeing this year is we're seeing a a, a longer lead time into into you know those 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 vacations our airports, as I mentioned earlier, are incredibly busy. The cities are incredibly busy. Um, the, the leisure locations have perhaps got more of a last-minute lead-in time, and, and maybe people are considering going and holidaying on package holidays in Europe, and maybe, you know, with what's happening in the world today, you know, certainly around the Mediterranean, you know, they're, they're reviewing those, those plans and, and, you know, coming back to the UK. For the holidays, we're seeing this international travel coming into the UK more and more. So as far as we're concerned, you know, if I look at our own numbers across my portfolio, we're ahead of same time last year going into August. July was very similar to last year. 
Um, but but you've got to be very thoughtful on on building that you know business on the books because it doesn't just happen on its own. You know, so you, you this is what I was referring to earlier where I was talking about our ability to to anticipate, to plan, to strategize, to make sure that you know the months ahead when we look at our pace that we are doing everything we can to make sure that we achieve you know, and overachieve on those goals is, is crucial. And uh, you said goals that bringing it to, to Ambridge as a whole and or maybe your division, especially. Um, what's kind of the the outlook for, for the next five years? What, what are your plans? What are your kind of targets you want to hit? What, what's what's in the future? Yeah, so we're, you know, we're, we're obviously incredibly ambitious and uh, we have every reason to be. Um, I, I spoke about you know, our expansion plans into Spain, into Georgia. Um, you know, we operate in Armenia today. We've got a luxury collection there. We'd love to continue our development in, in Armenia. Um, we'd love to get into the Dakh region. You know, we see that as an incredibly strong year-on-year performing um, region in the world. Um, the UK, you know, is, is we see our ability in the UK to to continue to grow as the franchise model is growing with the brands, you know, as a professional hotel operator with the with the ability to focus locally but benefit from the scale, you know, in terms of procurement or systems or technology or attracting the best people, um, you know, it's it's a really exciting time for us and. Uh, you know, our growth plans are very much happening. I think in the last, if I just think in the last sort of four or five months, you know, we transitioned six hotels in. And and that's something, again, that we're able to do very well. And and our owners, believe it or not, you know, that's one of the key criteria is how well can, can an operator transition in a hotel from a new development or them acquiring that hotel. And, and it's it's giving them that trust that we do that incredibly well. Um, and, and, you know, and the result of that is that we get the ramp up in, in very good time that we, we get the brand fully deployed into that hotel and that the owner can go back to the bank and say, look, you know, we're, we're, we're looking good. We're in a good place. So, uh, David, just to give a flavor to our listeners of, of the people that are working in these hotels and you know, operating at such levels. Um, just to get to know you a bit better, we, we've kind of come up with a couple of Desert Island Disc style questions just to, you know, find out more about you. Um, so I'm going to begin with what's your favorite book? You know, I would have to say that it was a Jeffrey Archer novel um, with the title Not a Penny More, Not a Penny Less. And I think I probably read that 12 or 14 times. You know, that was my lying on the beach book. And um, the reason I loved that was because when you thought you understood all the twists, there was another couple to come. And it's a very compelling page turner, very cleverly written. And uh, I, I recommend it. It's, uh, it's, it's certainly a book I have recommended to a lot of people. Is it one of those to have a hand when on the beach in Mauritius? Absolutely, yeah. Um, so, a favorite film? You know, I I don't watch television too often, um, but what I would say is, I think about what has marked me, you know, the most, and what is what films I've admired, and, and of course, there are many. But I, I think what comes to top of mind is, you know, Cary Grant, Alfred Hitchcock, and North by Northwest. 
Um, I actually named my daughter uh, after Eva Marie Saint, who acted, you know, with with uh, Cary Grant. So her name's Eva Anderson. So, yeah. um, what is your favorite holiday destination? I would not. I would not get out of this building if I didn't say <laughs> Mauritius. Um, you know, I have an incredible number of friends, general managers, my former executive committee, you know, team, and in Sun Resorts when I when I worked there. Um, you know, Mauritius is is a destination that has been an incredible all year round beach destination that has attracted you know everyone from all markets. So you you know, as a hotelier, you can enjoy the benefit of you know asian markets american markets north european markets southern european markets um but you know when you when you want that perfect you know sense of arrival landscape gardens with the palm trees the white sandy beaches the turquoise ocean um but more importantly and this this really blew my mind when i arrived there was the sense of natural hospitality of the Mauritians. And they have been playing this game a long time. You know, I mean, I, I had a hotel when I was there called La Parog. It was one of the first three hotels in Mauritius. Um, when you talk to the team there, some, have, some had been there 35, 40 years. You know, I, I celebrated the 40th anniversary of one of the, the famous hotels in Mauritius called the Tusrock. Um, and this was a hotel where Mick Jagger would go and um, President Mitterrand and Chirac and, you know, it was, it was where everyone wanted to go. And it was a real honor for me to have that within my portfolio. Um, so I would definitely, you know, remember, and I go back, you know, twice a year to Mauritius um, with my, my, my family, but I, I would definitely recommend that as, as a, a utopic um, holiday destination. Did that experience uh, of Mauritian hospitality, did that kind of uh, affect your view on kind of how you, you worked or, you know, opinions on, on different things? Did that kind of, from your personal experience, did that kind of change anything? You know, absolutely. I, I, when you look after resorts, you know, your guests stay in place for a lot longer than they would in an urban hotel or, you know, anywhere, any other type of hotel. So the importance of your staff who are with them, you know, 12 hours a day and those touch points, those experiences that you want to create within your resort, you've got to do that through your teams and you've got to inspire your teams to create the very best experience, the most number of touch points, you know, so that throughout from, from breakfast right through to entertainment in the evening, you know, these guests are looking after, they're engaging. And that's what creates the repeater guests because they come back for that. You know, the sun, the, the palm trees, they can get anywhere. But getting the, that personal contact, and certainly in my role today, you know, I really emphasize that, you know, we can work to as many metrics as we want. And by the way, they are hugely important. But it's that connection with our guests. It's all about the guest experience. And if it Ambridge hotels in my region, you know, we can, we can be proud of giving the very best experience to our guests, then, then we've achieved something very special. Um, this can be within hospitality or, or just outside of it. Um, the biggest pet hate. That's a very topical subject right now. I would say consider in consideration for others. Um, you know, I, 
I think, you know, I love technology, um, seeing people sitting in a, in a, in a resort, you know, somewhere like Mauritius where the whole family are on their mobile phones or they're watching movies and disturbing others. I, I don't know where we went wrong with that, but that is my biggest pet hate today. I, you know, I value hugely the, those memories of, you know, going on holiday with a family and, and creating those memories and laughing around the table and, yeah, so technology, believe me, has incredible importance in, in our business, but not at the dinner table. It's almost like you want to, you know, shake these people and look where you are. Like you're in Mauritius, like, you know, look away from your phone screen. Yeah, I can, I can definitely agree with that one. Um, who was your idol or someone who inspired you when you were growing up? My mother, you know, we lived in France um, in my, in my, I think from the age of five till, till eight and a half, nine. Um, and my mother would always play Elvis. Um, you know, this is back in 1970, mid 70s. And, um, and I remember seeing Elvis perform on stage, how he could command an audience. You know, I think to this day, he's probably the best live performer that I've ever seen and his ability to, to create memories. And, and uh, yeah, so I would, I would definitely say Elvis. Hmm. I've seen the, the film that came out a couple of years ago and what he went through as well as, as a person, I think it's just interesting. When I was um, 19 years old, I hitchhiked around America and um, I arrived at Memphis Airport um, and I was with a friend of mine and we, we asked a taxi to take us to Graceland. And, um, you know, I was, I was about to see my idol and uh, where, where, he'd, uh, where he'd lived most of his life. And as we were driving down Elvis Presley Boulevard and the taxi driver pointed out Graceland's up on the mound, the taxi suddenly had a blowout. And the next scene was my friend and I helping him change the wheel on his cab, you know, in front of Graceland. So I'll remember that for a long time. Um, and finally, uh, where do you, well, where would you like to see yourself in five years time? Well, achieving my, my goals of, uh, you know, doubling the, the portfolio we have in, in EMEA um, with Ambridge. It's, uh, it's very doable. I have the team to do it. And, uh, you know, the economics are a little bit challenging right now, but as we know, that's always cyclical. Um, but there are always opportunities and we, we see them more and more. Um, so I'm really excited about doing more deals and uh, getting into those new countries that, you know, we're, we're targeting right now. Brilliant. Um, David, thank you very much for your time. It's been a pleasure. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Checking In, a weekly podcast from Hotel Owner, the UK's trusted source of hotel industry news and analysis. If you like the podcast, make sure to subscribe on whichever podcast platform you listen to. To get more industry insight, head to hotelowner.co.uk and subscribe for unlimited access. If you're interested in sponsoring episodes of the podcast, drop us a line at podcast at hotelowner.co.uk.